0: I pray that you've got your Bibles with you this morning. The, we're going to be in John chapter 9. This is a continuation from where we were last Sunday morning. You see the title, Open Our Eyes, Lord, part 2. So John chapter 9, get your Bibles out. Hopefully you've got your bulletin with you. Your sermon outline is in that bulletin as we work through God's Word together this morning. So John chapter 9, 8 through 29, and then verses 34 through 38. I'm going to read you quickly an article that I found uh, last week or so posted from psychologytoday.com, and this was posted December fifteenth two 2017. A few years old, but it's, it's a great uh, survey. I want you to hear this. In 2007, I know some of y'all weren't born then. In 2007, a survey of almost 36,000 Americans Ages 18 to 70 plus found that 78% of people under age 30 believed in miracles. Believed in miracles. And 79% among those older than 30. So with respect to religious affiliation, 83% of those who were affiliated believed in miracles in contrast to 55% of respondents who were unaffiliated. And although people from religions believe in miracles, over 80% of those with Protestant and Catholic affirmations or affiliations, they endorse this, this belief. And listen to this. Even physicians believe in miracles. A national poll of 1,100 physicians from different religious faiths asked whether they believed in miracles. Listen to this 74% believed miracles occurred in the past, and 73% held the belief that miracles occur today. Moreover, 72% of the physicians believed that religion is a reliable and a necessary guide to life. Most of you all remember the name of Helen keller listen to what she said and she's probably the most recognized blind person that may have ever lived that we know of per se i want you to listen to this quote what would be worse than being born blind and she said this to have sight without vision to have sight without vision now church, let me ask you this, what happens when a miracle takes place? What happens? In some cases, people doubt. Sometimes there's questions that arise. People begin to wonder, or maybe they're skeptical, and before you know it, it's the miracle becomes a case of coincidence of, or a chance, instead of a situation in which we're able to give God praise. Last week we talked about a man born blind from birth and how Jesus, he healed this man's disability. So one would naturally think that this man's life is now free of problems considering he can now function within that Jewish society and provide for himself. But that's not the case. The miracle that Jesus did for this man, it made others question their own vision concerning this man's miracle and it made them question... Who Jesus was. The man that performed the what? The miracle. So let's read John chapter 9, verses 8 through 29. I know it's a long list of scripture, but stay with me. 8 through 29. Here's what it says. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? And some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they demanded? Well, he replied, the man they called Jesus, he made some mud, he put it on my eyes, he told me to go to Shalom and wash, so I went and washed, and then I could see. Well, where is this man, they asked. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been born blind, and now the day of which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was on the Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He, he put mud on my eyes, the man replied, I washed and now I see, and so Some of the Pharisees said, well, this this man is not of God, for he doesn't keep the what? They're always looking for an excuse, weren't they? He don't keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they were divided. Finally, again, they turned to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes that he opened. And the man replied, well, he's a prophet. The Jews still did not believe that he had been blind, that he had received a sight until they sent for the man's parents. Now, the story just keeps getting better and better. Is this your son, they asked. Is this the one who you say was born blind? Well, how is it that he can now see? We know he's our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for they already knew the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogues. That was why his parents said he's of age. Ask him. Well, this just keeps getting better and better. A second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I what? But now I see. So they asked him, what did he do to you? How how did he open your eyes? And he answered, I've told you already and you don't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We're a disciple of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. And then jump down to verse 34. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they, they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out and, and he went and found him and he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, You've now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. And then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, Look at this last verse. I went too long. Jesus said, For judgment have come into the world, so that the blind will see, and that those who will see come blind let's pray father thank you for this day thank you for this day that you've made and and that you created father god lord thank you for us being able to be here this morning thank you for billy and the choir and and the songs that we got to sing this morning and lord i say get to because father it's a privilege it's an honor it's a blessing to be in your house and so father now is the time of the of worship has has come to this point lord and we get to hear your word father i pray that you're already working Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit is already opening up hearts and opening up minds because, Father, I know that there are things on the mind of our church, Lord. Father, there are things on our heart. Father, Lord, life is tough. Things aren't going our way. Father, we've been through a a pandemic for almost a a year now, God, and people are looking for hope and joy. And, Lord, they're going to put it in a vaccine. But, Father, we know that's temporary. Our hope and our joy is only found in you, God. So Lord, I pray this morning, well, whoever this sermon is for, Lord, you're already working. You know, Father, who it is that needs this today. Open our hearts, open our eyes, Lord, to what you would have do in our lives. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Now, when a miracle happens, no doubt it gets the attention of people, right? We know this. We know this well. And in this man's situation, he went to the pool of Shalom, he washed, and his sight was restored. Why? Was it the water of Shalom? What happened to this man? But now that his sight had been restored, there were, there were more questions than answers. In verses 8 through 13, we're introduced to two sets of people. The first set of people mentioned here are the man's neighbors. Now, these are the ones that we come in contact with on a daily basis. They're the ones that see if there's something maybe different that's going on in our lives. If we've lost weight, if we've shaved our head, if we picked up a new hobby, if we've got a new car, we got a new dog, we got a new cat. So as the man came back and he received his sight, they noticed he was not sitting around being the blind what? The blind beggar. Oh, this man was up, this man was moving, this man was walking, this man was fully functioning. Now he could what? He could see. And then there's the second group of folks, they're, they're called the Others, who had formerly seen him begging. I believe this is the group that had, maybe had been charitable toward this man, or maybe this is a mixed group of folks that just saw him, but they, they really never got to know him. You with me? These are the people we come in contact with. Maybe we give them the glance. Maybe we see them daily, but we don't really ever stop, take our time to get to know somebody. And so we see these two different groups of people, but these two groups of folks are combined in issuing a question instead of a praise. They said, Isn't this the same man who used to sit in and beg? And look at the answer. Some claimed that he was, and others said, oh, no, 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 no. He only what? Yeah, there's only a resemblance. This is not him. He only looks like him. And because of their uncertainties of who this man was, this big debate broke out. And finally, at the end of verse 9, the formerly blind man from birth, he says, look. He said, I am the man. He pulls a Ric Flair. Woo, I can see it now. I am the man, Right? With all this division and all this controversy, he finally speaks up. He says four words, I am the man. So here comes the million-dollar question that's on everyone's mind. That's seen in verse 10. Ready? If you are who you say you are, how then were your eyes opened? Jesus knew once this man returned from the pool of Shalom that he would have his physical sight restored. Jesus knew this. Jesus also knew this was going to cause quite a stir among the people. But I want you to notice one thing with the people and with the neighbors. Not one of them celebrated. You imagine you've been blind all of your life. You come back, they see you, they got questions, but nobody celebrated with this man. Not one person rejoiced, no one gave thanks to God. They just all wanted to question the miracle. They just want to question who did it. How did his eyes get open? Why? Well, this is where your sermon outline begins this morning. Are you ready? Number one, because miracles from Jesus may lead to what? Skepticism. Miracles from Christ may lead to skepticism. Now listen, Jesus wasn't looking for a pat on the back. Jesus wasn't looking for an attaboy. No, Jesus was looking for followers. Followers. This is what Jesus is looking for. Christ was hoping people would recognize him for who he said he was, just like this man. And this man that Jesus healed, basically he looks at the group of people and he says, I am the man, it is I, the one who was born blind, that used to sit, that used to beg each and every day. He says, now I am healed. But most couldn't accept that. They couldn't accept this. See, the people thought there's no way a person can change this dramatically. There's no way a, per- a person born blind can just up and see, but they left out one huge aspect. They left out Jesus. They left out Jesus. Jesus had given this man a physical healing, but through this physical healing, Jesus had given this man much, much more. Christ was building his testimony to be shared with those who would listen, and the man was not shying back from that. In verse 11, he says, He told me to go to Shalom and wash, so I went, I washed, and then I could... And then I could see. And in verse 12, the people says, well, where is he? And the man says, listen, I I don't know. But honestly, the man was giving these people instructions to Jesus. He simply said, I acknowledged his power. I obeyed what he said. I went and now I'm what? I'm healed. And since they couldn't explain this man's miracle and they couldn't understand how this man Jesus healed this man's condition... Well, what did they do? They started an investigation. And they took the man to the only people that they thought could explain the situation. They took him to the Pharisees. So why would they take this man to the Pharisees? Because this is number two. You ready? Because of this. Miracles from Christ may lead to what? To division. Miracles from Jesus may lead to... It's not really a may, it's going to. So the Pharisees, they also questioned this man about his sight. And again, the man said, Jesus applied, I listened, and I received. But this wasn't enough for them. So what did they do? They tried to apply their religion. And since the Pharisees couldn't explain Jesus or recognize Jesus for who he was, they tried to disapprove of Jesus. They tried to disapprove of his authenticity, per se. So what did they turn to? They turned to religion. They said in verse 14 that Christ had healed on the what? He healed on the Sabbath. That he did not keep the Sabbath. But others said, well, how can a man who is a sinner perform such things? So now not only are the people divided, but the religious leaders are divided as well. Some said he wasn't from God because he healed on the Sabbath. Other Pharisees said, well, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? And listen to me, church. This isn't the first time they've been divided about Jesus. If you go back to John 7, 43, you'll see it. If you look at John 10, 19, you're going to see it as well. But in short, church, and listen to this and catch this. The Sabbath had been given by God to His people for a day of what? For a day of rest and a day of worship. But they saw Christ's actions as denial. But the work of Christ on the Sabbath, who did it bring glory to? It didn't bring glory to people. It brought glory to who? It brought glory to God. Matthew 12, 8, For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. They had added so much to the original law that God had given Moses that the law had become their God. That's who had become their God. And instead of pointing people to Jesus, every way possible they were turning people away from Jesus. But can you imagine what would have happened if the Pharisees had used this situation to praise Jesus? Instead of the denial. When miracles happen today, there's no doubt that division is going to occur. We probably have seen this. Doctors or surgeons may try to say it's unexplainable. Or others may just say, well, Brother Donnie, it was just coincidental. But when science can't explain it, when common sense can't explain it, are we just going to put our trust in Coincidence. Or are we going to put our trust in the miracle worker? Who do we put it in? So guess what happens when skepticism occurs? Guess what happens when division occurs? This leads to point three in your sermon outline. Miracles from Christ may bring about social what? Social fear and rejection social fear and rejection i want you to look at the parents response in verses 20 and 21 you may say brother donnie what in the world are you talking about well here it is we know he is our son and that he was born blind but now he can see who opened his eyes we don't what we don't know he's of age speak let him speak for himself. Now, this seems like a a normal or a natural conversation, but there's much, much more that meets the eye here because we learn in verse 22 that the parents were blinded by a four-letter word that we know called what? F-E-A-R. They were blinded by fear. Now, it seems logical to believe that this man told his parents of the miracle that had happened in his life. And it makes sense that this man told his parents who was responsible for the miracle that happened in his life. But the parents knew if they professed Jesus as the one of the healing, they'd be kicked out. They'd be kicked out of the synagogue, and through this they would lose their identity. They would lose their ability to conduct business or speak with others. They would literally be ostracized from their community. So what did they do? They denied jesus and they put the consequences of the son's testimony on himself sound familiar it should when jesus does a miracle in someone's life but you can't share it because you're afraid of what others might think or do well church where does that leave us where does that leave us yet many people today are afraid to give god credit because it isn't politically correct or we're afraid to give God credit because we're afraid of what? We're afraid of social fear. We're afraid of social rejection. And so what do we do? We just keep our mouths what? We just keep our mouths what? We don't say anything. We don't want to be argumentative. We don't want to give God the praise. And so the easy thing to do for people is just to be fearful. Not to give God praise. Not to give God glory. Well, I don't want to say anything because I may hurt someone's what? I may hurt someone's feelings, and Lord, I don't want my Christianity to hurt anyone's feelings. Well, there goes the Great Commission. Amen? Just stay at home. Jesus said, go. Tell the world about me. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Holy Son. Go. Well, Jesus, I don't want to go. I can't tell people. Because if I tell people, I may run into social fear and what? And rejection. Oh, poor pitiful us. But yet he's supposed to be the most important thing in our what? In our lives. But we become like these parents. I want you to listen to what King David said in Psalm 70, 15 through 24. He said, My mouth will tell of your righteousness, of your salvation all day long, though I know it's not its measure. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, O sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteousness and yours alone. Since my youth, O God, you've taught me. And to this day I declare your marvelous deeds, even when I am old and gray. Do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. Wow. And then when skepticism, when division and fear combine, guess what happens? This is your next one on your sermon outline. Miracles from Christ can lead to spiritual what? Denial. This is what happens. Look at what the Pharisees said in verses 24 and 28. Second time, they summoned the man who'd been born blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man's a sinner. And then look at verse 28. They hurled insults at him and said, You are this fellow's disciple? We are disciples of Moses. No, isn't it ironic some people claim to have religion but many have no relationship many have no relationship with jesus but we got religion and what we need to understand is this is that a relationship with jesus goes beyond religion amen It goes beyond religion. Even this man born blind saw past the religious aspects of this great miracle and considered himself a disciple, although he didn't even know Jesus Christ yet. He didn't even know Him yet as Lord and Savior. And the Pharisees looked at Jesus as the sinner because he had healed this man on the Sabbath. in their mind, they were more concerned about God's revealed will through Moses, including the the Pentateuch and the oral tradition, instead of putting their trust in the one who had always been and the one who had created Moses to begin with. The man born blind was now the teacher of the truth. And even the Pharisees could not believe. Yet he would be insulted, he would be looked down upon, he would be cast aside because he spoke the validity of the healing and who the healing had come from. So the question, what kept the neighbors? What kept the others and even the Pharisees from accepting Jesus as their Lord and as their Savior? Religion, rules, fear. And these are the same reasons keeping people from knowing Jesus what? Today. But here's the great news, church. And this is where this sermon outline takes a great movement. Are you ready? Number five, you don't need a miracle from Christ to have a relationship with Him. Amen? You don't need a miracle from Jesus to have a relationship with Jesus In verses 34 through 38, the man that Jesus had healed, he'd been kicked out. I mean, think about how this man had felt now. Been born blind all of his life. Been healed. People should be celebrating. But he has insults hurled at him. His parents forsake him. The religionists of the day forsake him. And they kick him out of the synagogue because of his confession of Jesus Christ as the person who had healed him. But watch what happens. Jesus went after this man like a good shepherd does, and he asked him, do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you believe? And the man says, well, who is he, sir? Tell me that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, you've now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking to you. Man, can you imagine how his heart felt right then? Could you imagine? I mean, I bet it went, boom, 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 boom. That's how it is when we're in the presence of God. It should be, Amen. The man that had healed him was now speaking directly to this man. Who is he, sir? Tell me that I may believe. You've seen him. In fact, he's one speaking to you. Three things happen right here in verses 37 through 38. I want you to pay special, special attention to these things. It's in your outline. Are you ready? The first asterisk is this. A revelation occurs. A revelation occurs. Jesus is revealed as the son of what? As the son of God. We do this today, don't we, church, in, a, in an array of avenues? Preaching, teaching, evangelism, personal testimonies. This is what we do. This is what I was going to do last year on Father's Day, was have a amount of men come up and give their personal testimony of how Jesus has done something in their life. And you say, well, Brother Donnie, why? Why wouldn't you just preach on Father's Day? People need to hear it from you. People need to hear it from you they got to hear your testimony. they got to hear your revelation. How did you become a Christian? How did Jesus reveal himself to you? The next thing was this, a confession. There's a confession. He says, what, Lord, I what? He says, Lord, I believe. Well, what does Romans 10, 9 tell us? You confess with your mouth, Jesus, Lord, believe in your heart, God, raising him from the dead, then you shall be What? You shall be saved. That's what the man did. He says, God, I believe. And then we see adoration. Oh, wow. We see adoration. Verse 38 says, the man believed and then he what? He worshipped him. See, that's what you're getting to do today. You, you that are in Jesus Christ, you that profess, you that believe. You said, Jesus, I, you're my Lord, you're my Savior. You got to come today to do what? You got to come worship Jesus. You're here to adore Jesus. You're not here just to take up space in this pew. you got a job to do, amen? And nobody's forcing you to do it. You get to do it. You get to do it. And this man, he not only received a physical healing, but he also received a spiritual healing as well. Amen? So many people today, that's what you need. Church, listen to me. You can get into heaven with a crippled body. But you can't get into heaven with a crippled soul. People need spiritual healings today. I I want you to listen to this story as we get ready to close. It it touched me. Maybe it'll touch you guys this morning. One uh, Saturday afternoon, a father and his six-year-old son, Mikey, were fishing near a bridge by the Kokomo Reservoir when a woman lost control of her car and slid off the bridge and hit Mikey at a rate of about 50 miles an hour. Sheriff Marr, the boy's grandfather, had seen the results of accidents like this and feared the worst. And when he got to St. Joseph Hospital, he rushed through the emergency room to find Mikey conscious and in fairly good spirits considering what had happened to the young boy. Mikey, what happened? Sheriff Marr asked. And Mikey replied, well, Gramps, I was, I was fishing with Dad and some lady runned me over. I flew into a mud puddle, I broke my fishing pole, and I didn't even get to catch any fish. As it turned out, the impact propelled Mikey about 500 feet over a few trees and an embankment and in the middle of a mud puddle. And his only injuries were to his right femur bone, which had been broken in two places. So listen to this. Mikey had surgery to place pins in his leg. Otherwise, the boy was fine. And since all the boy could talk about was that fishing pole that had been broken, the sheriff went out to Walmart, bought him a new one, and while he was in surgery, so he could have it when he came out, this is where things get interesting. The next day, the sheriff sat with Mikey to keep him company in the hospital. And Mikey was enjoying his new fishing pole. He talked about when he could go fishing again, and he was casting it into the trash can. And when they were alone, Mikey, just a matter of fact, said, Gramps, do, do you know that Jesus is real? Well, the, the sheriff replied a little startled, yes, Jesus is Real who all believe in him and, and love him with, with their hearts. No, said Mikey, I mean, Jesus is really real. Well, what do you mean? Asked the sheriff. Well, I know he's real because I saw him, said Mikey. Still casting his fishing pole into the can. You did, said the sheriff. Yep. <coughs> said Mikey, when that, when that lady runned me over and broke my fishing pole, Jesus caught me in his arms, and he laid me down in the mud puddle. That's pretty cool. You know, there are several lessons to learn from this story. Number one, I'm going to share with you my convictions. I'm still a firm believer in miracles. I've seen them with my own eyes. And I know God is still doing them today. Secondly, it's okay to be skeptical. It's okay to ask questions, but don't close your your heart off to God's abilities. Amen? Don't close your heart off. And then lastly, Christ doesn't have to produce any other miracles in my life for me to believe in Him, for Him to be my Savior. I, I feel like the life He's given me is a miracle to begin with. So many people today, they're seeking Jesus for what, they, what He can do for them. It's like He's a genie in a what? It's like He's a genie in a bottle. It's like if Jesus would just perform this miracle, if Jesus would just do this, if Jesus would, would just do this, then, Brother Donnie, I, I would put my faith in Jesus Christ. He doesn't have to do anything else for you. He gave you all He could give you. He gave you His life on a cross, embarrassed, nailed, struck down. He's giving you everything He can give you. What else does He have to do for you? Tell me. What else does He have to do for you to get your eyes and your heart open in your life? He doesn't have to do anything else for me. And you may say, well, Brother Donnie, you never know. You may get news next week that you've got cancer or your wife's got cancer or a child has has died or something. You may get horrible news. Listen, I, I realize that. And there may come a day that I pray to Jesus, Lord, please heal. Father, please do this. Father, please do that. But it's like Leroy told me Tuesday. He said, Brother Donnie, he said, I'm a winner either way I go. Now listen, you can sit here in this auditorium and you can look to Jesus. Father, if you just do this and if you just do this and if you just do this. Or you can get off your rump and you can say, Father, what can I do for you, Lord? Because you can be a miracle to someone else. You can share Jesus with someone else. Do we genuinely want our eyes to be opened? That's my question. What's it going to take? What else does he have to do in your life? Because I got news for you. Once he does one thing, you're just going to be looking for him to do what? To do something else, and it's never going to be enough. It's never going to be enough. And all Jesus says is, come to me, and I'll save you. I'll forgive you. I'll cast your burdens aside and I'm going to give you a new life. And I'm going to give you a life that's abundant. And I'm going to give you a life that is free. And I'm going to give you something that money can't give you. I'm going to give you something the world can't give you. I'm going to give something your mom and your dad can't give you. I'm going to give you a love that never fails. I'm never going to leave. And when you leave this earth and you depart, and for some of us, that time's coming closer and closer. But you know what? This is not our eternity right here. We may come back to this earth, but our eternity lies in the hands of the Creator. Amen. And of the Father. The church this morning, as Brother Billy comes, and we have this invitation. And in our, this is your time. Maybe there's a miracle that you need to come and pray about in your life. Maybe it's your family's life. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's social. Maybe you're scared to tell people that you're a Christian. Maybe you're just feared in general because of the virus that we've been enduring. Maybe you just need to come and lay some things down at the feet of God and say, Father, take these from me. I don't know. Or yet maybe there's some in here that you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you've never come and professed, yes, Jesus, I I believe you're the Son of God. I want to put my my faith in you. I believe. I I confess. It's not hard. I don't know where you're at, but I know this. For the church, we need our eyes opened. And we need to realize that God didn't just save us to sit in a pew, but he saved us for much, much more. Amen? So this morning, this is your opportunity. This is your challenge. As you stand, will you come this morning?